My name is Brianna, and I welcome you to the Tales of Adventure, a D&D podcast like no other. Hi everyone, my name is Adam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on this Tales of Adventure. I play Norman D from the Cheaper by the Dungeon podcast. It's a bi-weekly live play D&D podcast show. A strong emphasis on comedy and plot and love and heart and all the good adjectives and good nouns you can put in there. That's what we're heavy on. the interruption but i was admiring your tattoos from afar and i was wondering if there's a story behind them well hello first off my name is norman d what's your name my name is Istra. it's a pleasure to meet you actually you know funny story i acquired these tattoos all but a few months ago they're actually um, all the teachings of the calm cloud monastery in their original text so that they're never forgotten because they stay alive in me you see the Calm Cloud monk tradition is all but lost, and I'm hoping to revive it one day. I believe I've heard of that. I'm not from around here, but what makes it all but lost? What happened? Oh, well, it's hard to say. A lot of it is kind of lost in the, the mire of history and legend. But long story short, my mentor, the one who got me into the Calm Cloud Monastery, he passed, and he was the last of his kind because of a... It's all kind of murky. He he wasn't very forthcoming on it, and unfortunately, the Calm Cloud monks, rare breed, but they didn't always have a great history, even though their teachings are of kindness and avoiding conflict at all costs. Things didn't seem to go that way for them. But they're actually one of the oldest traditions in Ohm, actually. Before Ohm was called Ohm, it was called Westnia. It was there, so there you have it. It's kind of interesting. That's why it sounded familiar. Yes, exactly. I was thinking the same thing. An ancient civilization that sounds familiar. I like the way you think. I travel quite a bit, and you learn all kinds of things. But I'm curious, what's your story? How did you come to the monastery? Oh, well, it's interesting. My earliest memories, you're going to think this is odd, I think, but I was around seven, eight years old, and I woke up in an oasis in the middle of a desert. It's actually to the east of here, I believe. It's called Stroom's Hair. And I was seven or eight years old, and the only thing I had on me, besides like some simple clothing, was an amulet on a, on a string around my neck. And it had the symbol of Royce, the, the demon king of the deep. And so it was my belief that, because I'm a tiefling and I have an infernal heritage, or so I was led to believe that maybe Royce was my father. And... For some reason, I was not in the deep with him. But then anyways, I struck it on my own, away from this oasis, and I was promptly kidnapped by slavers. Bad luck. Dirty bad luck. Yes, you'd think from the flame to the frying pan, unfortunately. But then, lucky for me, actually, I was purchased by Master Matsumura, the last surviving monk of the... Kong Cloud Monastery Tradition, and he bought me and two other slaves, May and Cornelius, Drow, and uh, I can never remember what Cornelius is, but he's like a monkey man. 
So that's his race. I'm sure someone listening to this would know. And we all began training. Well, first we he bought us. He took us out to an island in the middle of nowhere where is the last founded place called the Kong Cloud Monastery. And he trained us. But unfortunately for me, I, I was never very adept at the teachings of the monks. But instead, I found solace in, in the books and the teachings. And so I read those. And as I studied their songs and their teachings, I found that I was able to access my key in a different way, not through physical prowess, but through song. I could make things happen. And I'm just going to produce a little prestidigitation, make a little flame in my hand. These things that not all monks can do, I can do through the power of song. So you became a bard at the monastery. Believe it or not, this might be hard for you to believe. I didn't actually quite fit in there. And I actually have a very bad relationship with me and Cornelius right now. They kind of want me dead. Because I killed Master Matsumura, but it wasn't my fault. He wanted me to kill him, and I promise that's true. Go back and listen to season one if you want all the details. Why, though? Well, okay, all cards on the table. By the way, am I drinking anything at this time? Or if you want anything. Yeah, I'll take a... Well, whatever you have, I'll have one as well. Let's just keep the drinks coming and put that on my tab. Perfect. I want the most expensive brandy you got, please. I mean, if that's alright with you. I mean, you don't want to back out of an offer now, do you? That's fine by me. Perfect. Well, Master Matsumura wasn't all that he seemed. And uh, even though his teachings were pure and good, and in a line with the Hong Cloud tradition, he was a cheater and a beguiler. And these tattoos that he put on me. Most of them I understand as calm cloud teachings, but there are some tattoos on my back that I could not see that were actually part of a spell. Master Matsumura was very old, and as he faded and got sick, he asked me to take his life so that he wouldn't endure any more pain. And unbeknownst to me, it was actually part of a ritual that would put his soul into my body and steal my life and steal my body for him. And it turns out he's actually been doing this for countless generations. I thought there was something weird going on around there. I just could never figure out what it was. Bastard. I know. I mean, you grow up your whole life thinking someone loves you as a father figure. And then you realize he's just a lying tool. And me and Cornelius were the favorite children, even though I was definitely focusing on the calm cloud teachings and overachiever and an overpleaser, people pleaser, you know, classic, you know, whatever you want to call it, that was me. And uh, all this time, I was being used, and it wasn't a good feeling, but I was actually extremely fortunate because that amulet that was around my neck when I kind of began to exist, and I say exist, not born, because I was actually made, not as Royce's son, but I was made as a backup vessel for Royce. And through a long story short, a piece of Royce actually lived in my body already. And it's because of Royce's presence there that Matsumura wasn't able to take a hold when I killed him. And I'm very fortunate for that. That explains so, so very many things I sensed when I walked in here. Yes, and I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to just go rambling. I, uh, you know, I get like that. My The people that I travel with, they don't always 
like to have long conversations like this. They're very goal-oriented people. I'm more of a conversationalist, so this is actually very nice. I appreciate the, the company. Thank you. I appreciate the good thing to hear your story. Tell me more about these friends of yours. Oh, they're really great. So Zippy, he's a Lapine, which is like a little rabbit man. And he's kind of like a, got a chaotic, neutral, kind of transitioning to chaotic good. You know how these things kind of go with traditional story arcs. He's a fantastic guy. He's a druid. Very powerful stuff that he can do. He can speak with animals. He's very good hearing, obviously. He comes from the Bramble Patch, where him and his family grew the best carrots that you've ever seen. Although I've never actually seen them, so I'm taking him on his word on that. And then you got the other guy. His name is Darian. Stand-up guy, very strong, very fast, very charismatic, and he's an Eladrin, which is basically like half-elf, half-fey. As far as I can understand, you know, he goes on and on and on and on about it, but it, he talks about it too much, you almost stop paying attention kind of deal. But he's very proud of his ancestry, but he has a bit of father issues of his own, so... If you ever get around to meeting him, you know, be careful when you bring that up. Oh, and he's green. He's got green skin. Not it. Dealing with Faye, even partial Faye, is always a very interesting experience. Oh, yes. Have you ever been to the Faye Wild? I have. It's been a while, but I've been trying to get back to a certain place to a certain time, which is very, very tricky with there. I met someone who knows some people who are there that I'm trying to check on to make sure they're okay. Weird things going on aboard the sea monster, but trying to help a friend in the Feywild is being a pain in the butt, as pretty usual. Wow, that's that's very interesting. You know, if you ever do meet my friend Darian, he's he's around here somewhere. We're all running errands in Poker Rock right now, but you know, he actually has an ability to go to the Feywild, so maybe I can introduce you sometime and and you can go help your friends. Sometime. That would be wonderful, for sure. And maybe I could figure out which Faye I pissed off and figure it out the way to get them to stop screwing with me like this. Oh, you know what? I totally relate to you there. You know, the Faye and Darian is kind of like a half Faye. They got quite a temper, I'll tell you that much. You know, one time I made this passing jab, you know, because he's got green skin and people were, we were nervous about him standing out when we were kind of trying to blend in. And I made this joke way back in season one. I was like, oh, you look like a damn lizard. And oh my gosh, I never heard, never heard the end of it. Like I had to make him like some homemade soup just to apologize. It was it was a brutal process. Yes, you have to be careful not to anger them. And you have to be very, very careful how you phrase things when you're dealing with the truth, eh? Oh, yes. They're, they're very touchy. Very, very proud race is the probably the best way to say it. They're very proud of their heritage. That they are, and also a piece of advice when dealing with the truth, with the f especially the fairies in particular, never give them your name. Oh, I'm curious as why is that? Because names have power, and they're one of the few races that can truly control that kind of power. If you give them your true name, they have power over you. If they ask for the name, give them a nickname or say you, oh, you can call me this. Never give them your name. Interesting. I'd, I'd be most curious to learn how to obtain this power for myself. Not that I would want to do anything malevolent with it, but it would be a, an excellent tool to have in the toolbox, so to speak. Uh, that would be. Unfortunately, they will not share that secret with anyone. 
that is so like them, you know, hold all the power to themselves. That's just like the regular gap between the poor and the wealthy and the middle class is slowly disappearing as that gap gets wider and wider. You know, it's not right. You know, I'd, I'd love to change things one day. I would too. Tell me, how did you start traveling with these friends of yours? Actually, that's a funny story. Right off the heels of after killing Master Matsumura, you know, Royce rest his soul, me and Cornelius, they saw me doing it. They didn't believe that he wanted me to do it. And it was a whole big bloody mess. So I ran for my life. And then I went to, I kind of got crash landed on this, another island called Sanguine. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's, it's like a man-made island because of all these ships and, and turfs all kind of fastened together. It's just floating along the ocean, but it's so many of them. It's basically the size of a city. It's, it's amazing. And I met a friend there named Crit, who, you know, randomly enough, I was just playing in the street trying to earn some money to buy myself a meal. And he offered to put me up for the night. And turns out he knew some bad people who wanted something to do with me for some reason. I never actually got to the bottom of that now that I think about it. And long story short, saving my life, Crit gave me a, a teleport scroll. And he said, think about the city of Orem, because we had talked about how my aspirations one day... Wow, it's weird thinking about this. I haven't thought about this in so long. It's funny how things change. We had discussed how once I got to Orem, I, I wanted to rule the city. I wanted to become king there, and, and finding a grand treasure was the means to do that. That's quite a lofty goal, but what are these grand treasures you speak of? Wow, it's crazy how things change. But you're right. Well, basically, the, the Grand Treasures, I, I guess you're really new around here if you haven't heard of them. They're, they're, everybody talks about them. Well, if you believe in the god Salem, he's one of the oldest gods, according to popular belief. He basically created all of these amazing treasures, and some of them are immensely powerful. Some of them allow you to do things that no other living soul can do. And he's hid them all over own in the most crazy places, and they're never easy to find. In fact... People have spent their entire lives working with other people, spending their entire lives trying to find them. And the first one that was documented to be found was an enormous stash of wealth. And that's actually where Orem is today. So if you were to travel by airship north a little bit, maybe around a few days, you'd find Orem. It's a city made almost entirely of gold. All that gold was part of the grand treasure that was found there. Just an enormous deposit of gold. And the second grand treasure, I, I've never been there, but it's a massive library that has basically the, a fountain of all knowledge if you were to go in there. Not may very many people return from that place. But there's more grand treasures all over the place that have immense power. And so people like myself and Darian and Zippy, we're called treasure hunters or greeters. G-R-E-E-D-E-R-S. Not greeters, but greedy little monkeys we are. And we're trying to find them. All for our own reasons. You already know mine, but the whole team has decided to work together until we find them. And we, we've got a couple leads, so I think it's only a matter of time. Is there anyone in particular you're trying to find? Well, I'm going to pull out a white piano key that I have in my shirt pocket. I'm going to say, this was given to me by a friend before he died. His name was Gilbert. Interesting fellow, hard to read. But this was a clue that he'd found for a grand treasure. And I dare not 
put it on the table and press it because very powerful, violent things would happen. But this is a clue. And I believe that I have to find a few more keys like it. As you can see here on the back, there's a little symbol here. That's that's the symbol of Salem, the god that hid all the treasures. That's how we know this is a clue. And if I find enough of them, I can find one of the grand treasures. I mean all of us, not just myself. Me and my team. They can help me find it. You understand. There's some very old magic on that. Ooh, that's... That's the thing is, it's so puzzling because it's, it's so vague. I mean, if I didn't have a lead, I have a feeling that I, I need to go to the, the plane of the deep to find the other one. Simply because of a hunch. But you can see why it's a dangerous addiction because with clues so sparse, you could literally spend fortunes and years pursuing a false lead. It makes you wonder what purpose Salem had in hiding all of these treasures. I'm going to lean in close and speak under my breath. And I'm going to say, actually, Isra, you're an incredibly astute person to wonder that. You see, myself, I've recently obtained some knowledge that makes me doubt Salem's intentions were pure at all. I think that there's something else going on. And Salem, if that's what you want to call this being, I don't think he's as simple as he seems. I think that these treasures, I don't think they're necessarily treasures at all. But that's what makes it so important to find them, because more than powerful, they're dangerous, is my belief. And if even one of the keys to find it is as dangerous as you say that the piano key is, makes you wonder if they were planted around to eventually one day cause chaos and destruction and people apart, though you could also argue that if everyone's busy trying to find them, they're not busy going to war with each other. So what happens once more are found? Normandy leans back. You know, Isra, maybe I haven't given you enough credit. That's actually another astute observation. You know, while we're all pursuing... I'm going to hold up the piano key. While pursuing these, we're not fighting. And you're right about that. And in that regard, maybe the hiding in these treasures was a good thing. But the danger is, is that anyone could find them. Anyone, no matter what their benevolence or malevolence towards others, that makes me very afraid. And the scary thing is, is that as we get closer, there are other grand treasures out there that other people are getting closer to as well. And my fear is that if we don't find them first, someone else will do something greatly tragic with them. A very good concern to have indeed, and stuff like this is always going to be dangerous to deal with, and perhaps another reason that even though, yes, there are no wars going on because everyone's busy trying to find these, what else could be going on that no one is noticing because they're too busy trying to find these grand treasures? Hmm. Well, just brainstorming with you here. It's not hard to imagine that the search of these treasures could cause some wars of their own. And that's even before they're found. Just knowing the amount of wealth that Oren produced changed Ohm. It changed the world around it because, I mean, look at me. Look at all of the greeters. It's created a new occupation that's worldwide. Greeters are highly skilled professionals. They're the best of the best. 
It makes you wonder what the world would look like if we were putting those skills to other things. Maybe more beneficial things. There could be any number of reasons Salem did this. And I doubt the true reason is going to become clear for a while. Thoughts are particularly annoying about being vague and hard to predict and hard to understand because they give me a headache. I'll drink to that. I hold up my glass to you. She holds it up and clinks it against yours, downs the entire thing, and signals for another. I follow suit. Ching! <coughs> oh, I'm more of a sipper myself. <coughs> oh, that was some strong brandy. You got the brandy as well. It's pretty nice. Yeah, I'm a. I think I might get a Tom Collins next, or maybe uh, I don't know. Do you like things sweet, or do you like it? Do you like to mix, or what's your favorite drink? Depends. Some days I like sweeter. Some days I like less sweet. Other days I just want whatever's the strongest. And you know, you got to be economical too, because you know price ranges are crazy. You know, I know that in Orem, ale is much cheaper than here, but here you know you get your hard liquors much cheaper. It's it's a strange thing. I wonder how it all works. It entirely depends on who's the one making the money, or who's the one that tells you how much the money is worth, or any number of bureaucratic reasons. Yes, or whatever the DM decides at the time, you know? <laughs> it is also true. You're more aware than most adventure writers I've met. Well, you know, it's all about slightly breaking that fourth wall occasionally. You gotta make the listener feel like they're inside of the joke sometimes, but not all the time. They don't get that privilege. If they want to enjoy the show, they gotta come crawling in on their hands and knees, you know what I'm saying? You have a very interesting approach to, to attracting <laughs> listeners. Actually, between you and me, the next place that we're going is actually... Oh, what's it called again? Leek's Garden. We're actually following another lead on a grand treasure right now. What do you have to find when you get there? We're supposed to meet someone. I was given a name, but to be honest with you, I can't remember what it is. But it's in my notes. But basically, the same person who gave me this piano key, the last thing he gave us when he died was this name of a person to meet there. Because we found a journal, which I don't have on me, my friend Darian has it, but it's written in a language none of us can decipher. And someone in Leek's Garden can. So that's why we're going there, because we believe it has a clue, or several clues, as to the location of some grand treasures, but also, I lean in again, but also, what's really going on with Salem? Because if you could see this book, it, it implies that not everything we believe about Salem is true at all. And what do most people here believe about Salem? You know, that's a very good question. Third people taught. I think the biggest belief that people have is that Salem wants his treasures to be found. And I can tell you right now, I know that's not true. Well, if you wanted it found, it would not be so difficult to find them. Well said. Very well said. I cheers her again. Ching. I'm going to maul over my drink for a second, just kind of think. How long have you been looking for this grand treasure? The piano key. Um... Or just the, the treasures in general? Basically, since I left home and went to Sanguine and then got teleported to Orem. That's basically been my sole pursuit. Maybe to my detriment a little bit, but 
yeah, that's that's what we've been doing. It's well, do you know what? Something that I didn't tell you about before is that I actually I almost died a little while ago, and I was unconscious for maybe a few a few weeks. Remember May and Cornelius, my brother and sister, that I was telling you about? Uh, yes, the ones that were very upset with you. Yes, you know, on a good day, they're really friendly. You know, if you avoid them when they're mad, you know, they're they're monks through and through. They're like very good at fighting. And even though Calm Cloud Tradition says, you know, avoid conflict at all times, they do not follow those rules. Well, I'll tell you that much. Anyways, I ran away, got teleported across the world to Orem, and they found me. You know, don't know how they did that, because I've been flying around on an airship all the time. I mean, I have been a- made a bit of a name for myself, but actually, you know, if you listen back to season one, we kind of saved the King of Orem, inconsequently becoming famous. One way to make a name for yourself. Yes, it wasn't really intentional. We were just trying to save a life. Anyway, sorry, that's the botany. They found me, and because I didn't really understand how hit dice work and how taking a short rest, this is more Adam's fault than mine, I basically went down in a fight with them very, very embarrassingly quickly. Like, before the first round of combat was even done, I was dead. And, I mean, they were seriously powered up, though. But anyways... I died, but that's how I learned that a piece of Royce's soul is inside me because I manifested a power I never knew I had. I manifested the power of the Keeper of the Deep, and I was able to fight them off, and they ran away. They teleported to another plane. It's one way to avoid the conflict. Well, you know, it wasn't really up to them. My friend Darian, he tried to save my life. He's a very good shot, very good with a bow and arrow, and he shot them with like a teleportation arrow, and apparently it took him to another plane. We don't even know which plane, just a plane besides this one. That's plain to see. (laughs) Sorry, you have to forgive. The puns come with the territory, I'm afraid. Oh, I'm well aware that I've worked with bards before. Yes. They're a tricky lot, you know? Bards in general, sometimes you can't always take them to be serious of a character but i i try to to balance it you know a little bit of a joke here a little bit of drama here for plot development there you know it's all about staying well-rounded and keeping the show changing all the time so it never stagnates you know that's my approach look at the approach (laughs) but but anyways i died but not really because there was a piece of royce inside me that kept me alive and then i was in a coma for a long time and then some stuff is kind of foggy 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 and muggy together foggy but i i came back just uh when my friends needed help the most they were in a very dire situation i came back and i actually wrote a super cool song about it it's called i'm back you can find it on our spotify very soon actually by the time this episode comes out you can listen to that song on our spotify so cheaper by the dungeon spotify listen to the song i'm back and it's it's a really it's a banger i think you know what to be honest with you sometimes and, and don't tell the guys I said this, Isra, you know, because I I got a reputation to peep, you know, like Lord of the Deep and my throne was stolen, but I'm on a quest to get it back, yada, yada, yada. And, and that's true. But to be honest, I have some memories of my time in the deep. Very faint and foggy. It's, it's muddled. And I don't always like what I remember. I don't always like the role I played in the deep. I mean, yeah, you can hide behind the excuse. I was just doing my job. But maybe it's it's my near brush with death. 
that I don't know why I'm opening up to you like this. Must be the brandy. I get that a lot. Yeah. You just have one of those trustworthy faces, I suppose. Insight check! I get that a lot, too. You're lucky I don't have any dice on me. They're on the table over there. I can see them across the room from my laptop, but I cannot reach them, so you're spared. Anyways! Well, even if you got the natural 20, still fine. Everything's fine. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> I have a feeling it wouldn't do me very much good in this conversation. Probably not. But anyways, you know, maybe it's my near brush with death, but I... I begin to wonder, you know, if there were no grand treasures, what else would I pursue? You know, life is is fragile, it's fleeting, and as far as I know, and as far as I'm from the, the life I remember, you only get one. I don't want to spend the entire thing of it looking for someone else's treasure. But instead, I want to maybe make my own treasure, or create memories that I treasure, or I don't know, maybe I'm getting too sentimental now, but... You know, if there wasn't treasure to find... What else would I use to fill that hole in my heart? Perhaps you could become an entertainer and teach other people and ways to help others who have nowhere to go like you once did. Wow. You know, it's it's funny you mention that. The last time I saw my old mentor, my adopted father, Master Matsumura, we were basically in like the shadow realm basically in like a resting place before one descends to the deep and we had a very tense conversation about whether I should continue living or if he should take my place and he brought up a very good point he said Normandy if you die the calm cloud tradition dies with you because you're the only one that knows it and I wasn't about to to surrender my life that I fought so hard to keep. But it's made me think, you know, the Calm Cloud tradition is a beautiful tradition. Avoiding conflict and, and rising above the things that give us strife. And that, combined with my musical abilities to connect with people on an emotional level, I have wondered, maybe it does fall on me to teach others. Maybe a hybrid of the ways of the Calm Cloud, but also the ways of music to get in touch with her own soul. I don't know. Th these are just daydreams, I suppose. I mean, I don't know who would listen. I, I'm i not even a monk myself. You know, the physical things that monks can do, I, I could never do. And I would never be able to teach someone the physical attributes of it, but the teachings I know. I don't know what I would do with it. But I think you're onto something. I do see myself helping other people is, is something that I want to do. I think I'd be good at it. I'm not sure. I think you would be too. Sounds like you've got a solid foundation of knowledge as well as the skill to share that knowledge with people in a way that just draws them in. Oh, well, you know, it's uh, it's because I've been using Charm Person this whole time. You didn't even know it. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I Sorry, that, that freaks people out sometimes. Bad joke, bad joke. You know, don't want to control anyone against their free will, but I could. <laughs> I'm kidding again, but for real, I really could. You could with most people. Doesn't really work well with me. You know, that's a good point. I get the vibe from you that you're not from around here. You said as much. But I... I almost get the impression that you're not from around anywhere. You have a very otherworldly sense about you. There are 
are more perceptive than most, and you're not entirely wrong. Although I was once from somewhere, but that's not anywhere now. You know, it's so muggy here this time of year. I wonder what the weather's like this time of year where you're from. Hmm? She just raises an eyebrow. Depends on the part of the world, but right now it's either very, very hot or non-existent. I'm not entirely sure. That's, um... That's odd. You say you've been to the Feywild. You're not from there, though. Oh, no, I'm not from the Feywild. I'm from somewhere very, very far from here. When you said I'm from, Normandy leans very close. Hmm? And then he said, nah, from around here. And then he leans back dejected a little bit. You know how there's other planes? Oh, yes. Yes. There's also other worlds and realities. The one I'm from isn't there anymore. Either that or it's infinitely there crashing enough on itself. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Well, we're going to get into quantum mechanics here a little bit. I'm going to grab a bunch of coasters around me. You know, like those cardboard ones? I'm going to grab one and put it in my pocket and say, I like to collect these. Something that nobody knows about me yet in the podcast. And I'm going to put it in my shirt pocket next to my piano key. I'm going to say, okay, so let's just say this is one world. And I put down a coaster. And then I'm going to slide a coaster over to the right. I'm sure this is exactly what people are expecting to listen to when they listen to this episode, by the way. So you're saying that this coaster is here, Orem, or Ohm, sorry. And then I I touch the other coaster, and I'm going to say, and this is the Feywild over here, maybe. And then I'm going to grab another coaster, and I'm going to put it over to the left, and I'm going to say, and let's say this is the ethereal plane. We had someone in our crew for a little while, uh, a really annoying goblin who would not stop talking, but he said he could see into the ethereal plane. So, all of these planes are different worlds, but they're all on the same countertop. But what you're saying is, I'm going to grab another coaster, and I'm going to hold it above the first coaster. You're saying, in addition to planes, there's other realms of being? Yes, you actually grasp that much quicker than most people do, but there are. It's incredibly rare to be able to travel between them, but... They do exist. You know who's never going to believe me about this is Darian. He thinks he's all hot shit because he can travel between planes. But I'm just going to tell him one day, you know, there is a step beyond the plane. There are like different, let's just call them dimensions for sake of brevity and simplicity. So in addition to planes, there are different dimensions. But how do you do it? How do you, I mean... I'm assuming that I'm trusting you right now because you just got one of those faces, but is that even something that is available to someone like us? Not quite. And the way I got it was very, very unique circumstance. It's a very, very long story that I'm nowhere near Jordanka for. There's enough (laughs) alcohol in the bar for that one. Let me ask it this way. Just for for short answers, was it an ability you sought, or was it something put upon you? Part of the second one after my world fell. Because there was an evil there that 
threatened everything, so... Me and a few others, we got all the people out, but... In order to make sure that evil didn't leave and take over the morn, they... The world had to be removed because the person was tied to the world, so there was a mutual destruction there. I didn't expect to survive, but next thing you know, I'm talking to this giant platinum dragon, and my life has been really weird ever since. The destruction of your own world to protect countless other worlds that would never know of your sacrifice. I'm going to slide my drink over, I'm going to say I would need to be drunk to talk about that too. It's been a very long time, but I appreciate it. She just downs it and gestures for another one. She, <laughs> she doesn't even look, like, slightly drunk. <laughs> okay. Wow, you you can really hold your liquor. I'll, I'll take another one. Maybe a, a small one. I wave to the barkeep as well. It's a useful trick for when people just mistakenly challenge you to a drinking contest, but... Ah, the good old, when they're not looking, you dump it on the other side of the counter trick. Or do you use a certain spell to put it in their goblet? Oh. Also works when they try and poison you. Oh, I see. Oh, is it like kind of like a create water spell kind of deal? Or You know what? I'm sure you got your tricks. I, I can't really <laughs> do anything that cool. All, all I can do is just sing songs and charm people. Some coward comes with age, so... Well, I'm not going to try to guess your age. That's an old classic trap, and I'm not going to fall for it because you either guess too high or you guess too low, and either way, you know, it's like you're really insulting or you look like a pedophile because it's like, oh, I'm talking to you, but you're only like 13, or I thought you were, and then it's like, oh, boy. Not that that's happened to me. I mean, I've heard about that happening. In fact, that was a dream I had. I mean, it wasn't a dream. It was a friend's dream. Anyways, what are we talking about? I would be very impressed if you guessed over my age. I will not even try. I'm too wise for that. Yeah, but but a little pet peeve of mine, just while we're, you know, drinking, is, you know, Darian. Great guy, but he since he's an elf, he's got advantage against charm spells. So, if things ever went awry and we disagreed on something and I wanted to, you know, maybe tweak his memory a little bit, it's unlikely it'll work. True, and that's also very fair on the pawn whenever it wears off and they realize you did that. I know, but man, it would be nice, because... Oh, anyways, not that I'm scheming or anything. Are you sure? I know. If only I could find a magical item that would, like, maybe stop his ability to have advantage on that somehow. Or maybe gave me, like, double advantage or something like that. I'm sure it exists in some D&D campaign out there, but not in this one yet, that I found. But we're just about to start season three, so we'll probably do a bit of shopping. Maybe that's my chance. Perhaps. I recommend bribing the DM before you do that. I've heard they can help make certain things easier. The DM? Now, is that something on the, one of these other dimensions you speak of? Most of them actually have one. Some of them share, others... Yeah, it gets complicated, but it's usually the person pulling the strings behind the scene. They have no doubt that you have one. You know, it's strange. Can you imagine if all of our lives and our decisions and everything that happened to us was really just the decision of someone else? You know, as if they were just rolling dice and deciding whether or not we were successful? Wouldn't that be so strange? Do you always get this philosophical when you're drunk? 
I try not to drink so much. You know, it's the calm cloud tradition in me. You know, always thinking and meditating and reading. It's, you know, to be honest, I, I spent a lot, a lot of time alone as a kid. You know, because me and Cornelius were always playing, and they were obviously Matsumura's favorite, and I was just going to be used later on. So I try not to think about it too much. Again, I try not to drink too much because it there's a lot of pain back there that I'd like to just push down, you know, and ignore. Ignoring that is not going to make it go away, though, for that. Yes, but talking about it doesn't change it. You just have to one day come to accept the fact that it happened. You can't go back and make it unhappen. You need to find a way forward. He doesn't deserve you holding on to it like this for the rest of your life. You can move on. Find a way to make peace with it. I am going to take a sip of my brandy. I have no idea how many this was. How many brandies I've gone through. And I'm gonna every one, so often she's probably like reached over and patted you just, just enough of a sort of healing magic to chase off the, how drunk you probably are. That's probably a good idea because then otherwise I would just be a sad mess. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just gonna say that's the goal, Isra, to move forward. But you can't move past it if you ignore it. Sometimes you have to face the things that hurt. Further to help make them go away. You know, it reminds me of a wise proverb I heard. It basically says, The wise man turns his weaknesses into strengths. And what he meant by that was... Let's just say for me, for example, you know, maybe I'm not an amazing singer. Even though I want to be a bard and I want to capture people's imaginations with my songs. Well, I could just try to force myself to be a good singer... Even though, let's face it, I'm not going to necessarily have a good as voice, as good of a voice as, you know, Justin Bieger. You know, that bard over there, that, anyways, you know, he's got a great voice. He's overrated. Well, yeah, he's selling records all over the place. Not fair, I tell you. But anyways, he was born with a very light, radio poppy kind of attractive voice. And I, maybe I wasn't, but I could just say, oh, that's my weakness. Maybe I shouldn't pursue this career but instead i could say well how do i turn my weakness into a strength so okay maybe i can't be the best singer but maybe while i sing a little bit what else can i do to replace that weakness well maybe i can do like some singing and then half talking during the music or that that might not be a great example but i think you follow my my point is basically the things in my past while they may be painful and same with you is the things that have happened to us you know, it's easy to, to use those as excuses and, and, and to say, oh, they, they cause weakness. But in to agree with what you're saying, to your point, you know, maybe they can be a springboard, you know, and they give us a better understanding of other people. Or they give us a unique skill set moving forward that maybe otherwise we wouldn't have had. Exactly. Just a piece of advice when it comes to the singing thing. You do realize birds can channel through more than just their... Voices and singing, correct? They what? Yes, there are bards who can channel through just the spoken word. There are bards who channel through story, through instrument. It's not all just singing. Okay, very funny. I almost fell for that. I know you're joking. Would you like me to give you a list? Wait, you're for real? 
there are plenty of ways people with magic like yours can use it that don't just have to do with the voice. Oh my gosh, that that's a relief because let me tell you, I'm not a great singer. <laughs> oh, well, you seem to be rather good with your words. Perhaps it's more eloquence where your power comes from. Oh, well, you know, sometimes if you got it, you got it, you know, and you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse, really, because people just always want to hear what I have to say. I mean, you listen to the episodes; everyone's always waiting to to hear me speak. That's not true, but you know, I can fantasize. It's a fantasy game we play. And you know what? Sometimes the jokes don't always land. That was a perfect example, you know? But that can't stop you from moving forward. In fact, sometimes it's the fact that the jokes are not funny that is what makes it funny. But even that, you got to be careful because if you rely on that too much, then you just... You go beyond funny, you're not funny, and just go to being, like, really sad. And I've, I've been there once or twice, and it's not a pretty place to be. When you're, you're listening to it or recording it, it's like everyone knows... That wasn't funny. So, you just gotta keep going. I'm probably doing it right now. Anyways, you should probably ask me another question. Well, you know, maybe we got it. Maybe that's a, a wrap. I don't know. You you tell me, Isra. You're the one visiting Poker Rock. Perhaps, maybe we can go to speak of lighter things, get more, or another round of drinks, get you some food, because I'm not sure how much more healing I have left in this particular ring. Tales of Adventure is directed and produced by me, Brianna Toiber, as part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network. The music is by Patrick Chester of Chester Studios. To see more of his work, visit his website at chesterstudios.net. Find out more about Pseudonym Social by visiting our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com. If you like what I'm doing and would like to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial and choose one of the tiers connected to Tales of Adventure. You can also leave a review on iTunes to make our show easier to find for those who need it.